0: Eleven. Oh, Jesus. Here we go.
1: Matthew eleven. Starting from verse 2, we'll read through verse 19. I'm not sure we'll get through the whole thing. We'll see what the Lord's going to do. All the youth ready? All right, all the the rest of the folks ready? Here we go. Matthew 11, verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, how many? two of his disciples, and he said to him, him, are you the coming one or are we to look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news or the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For he? For this is he whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you. And you did not lament, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Heavenly Father, come and mess this place up. Come on, just talk to God. Come by your anointing. Come by your power. Ask God to speak to you. We're not here for some lecture. I like lectures. That's not what this is. We're going to receive a download and an impartation from heaven. Jesus, come and do what you love to do by the power of your spirit. Unsheathe your sword. Send forth your word that it would perform that which you sent it forth for and not return void we thank and praise you in Jesus name amen you may be seated we do have some notes for you i was in prayer this morning we had a nice time on morning prayer as i mentioned on skype i no sooner than hung up the the computer hung up the computer i got off the line and was encouraged that we had some new people in prayer that hadn't been there before and realized, well, maybe maybe this will work. No sooner had that thought than the Spirit of God began to come on me. And I had plans this morning. I was going to work out and get myself back in the groove after eating all the turkey and roast beef and cookies. And on the second day of the fast, and I was going to get back to doing a little bit of a workout. So I started thinking about that. The fact that I had four hours of sleep earlier, the night before wasn't wasn't too exciting to me. I thought maybe I'd not work out. Then I had the thought of just going back to bed. I call it re-rack. Anybody ever have the re-rack anointing? Huh? I had to be here by nine. I had a meeting. But the Spirit of God began to increase in my home. And He got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So I started worshiping. And I decided I really didn't need sleep. God could touch me and I was going to be okay. I mean, how many of you... Sometimes I bow before the idol of sleep. I I don't know about you, but I mean, I I just sometimes never get enough sleep. And I'm like an eight or nine hour guy. So when I'm four hours, Jesus help me. Praise God, I got a nap in the afternoon. Hallelujah. And a number of things began to happen for me. I began to see different people in the church. I began to recall different conversations that I was having. God began to flash motion... Pictures up before me, if you would, one after another, like a slideshow, I should say. And the conversation, I began, the different things that began to jump out, I began to discern as coming from Matthew 11. So I began to look at Matthew 11, and I bring you this message. It's entitled The Generation Transitioning to the Day of the Lord. We are in a crucial time in history. It certainly is not business as usual. I've invited the youth here because if you can hear what I say to you tonight, it will absolutely change your hearts. And what you might not be aware of, what resides in you simply by the fact that you're breathing at this time in history, is a DNA that's been given you by God. I believe that this could very well be the last generation, and no matter what you believe, it's your last generation because you're going to die.
0: Supernatural generation.
1: Jesus highlighted some things here in the life of John the Baptist. His ministry. Jesus used John the Baptist as a, a, a picture or an example of dedication unto the Lord. I just don't hear this message too often hear too often a message on dedication and God, holiness,
0: consecration, righteousness.
1: Now here John the Baptist, he talks about John the Baptist. John, if I could say the first verses that we read, John is, is being a good pastor. He sends his two disciples to talk to Jesus. He knows, I believe, being a prophet, he knows he's going to die soon. He's, he's been put in prison by Herod. And he sends two of his disciples to go talk to Jesus to ask him, Yo, everybody say yo. yo. We're going to throw some youth stuff in, alright? Say yo, are you the one that we've been waiting for? Or should we look for another? Now many will teach us, and you'll read in commentaries, that that, that John the Baptist had backslid; That he had lost track of who the Messiah was. He wasn't quite sure. And they'll quote scriptures like Proverbs 18. A man who isolates himself, rages against all wisdom. And that John the Baptist was isolated. You'll read this in commentaries. He was isolated and he began to have second thoughts about the Messiah. I think that's complete rubbish based upon this Scripture. Being the greatest born among women, many suffered lots of persecution and trials and didn't give up the faith. I don't think that John the Baptist was backslidden, but Jesus is addressing... The fact that John the Baptist has sent these two, and I think the crowd is wondering whether John had backslidden. And so John the Baptist tells him, hey, go tell him the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. He quotes Isaiah. He quotes the Old Testament prophets Jesus does because he wrote them, of course, easy for him. And they go back, and he tells this little encrypted thing Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. And I can just imagine them going back to John. And apparently John had visitation rights as he's in prison, because how is he going to send two disciples? I mean, I don't know. They didn't have tax, I'll tell you that. And he visits John the Baptist, and, and I'd imagine the conversation went something like this. The prophet John, fulfilling, I believe, a plaster role, is turning over his discipleship. His two disciples... To Jesus. After all, He said, I must decrease. He must increase. It was time for Him to step off the scene and for time for the Messiah, Jesus, to show up and for them to tie their lives to Him. And eventually their hearts as He would die on a cross and rise again from the grave. Ascend to heaven and send the Holy Spirit. And so these two disciples are sent, I believe, on an assignment from Pastor, Prophet John. They get the word... They come back to John, who's in prison. They say, well, he said, the blind see, they walk, everything you said. Yeah, he, he backed those, those those messianic scriptures. And Isaiah, he quoted, he said, of everything that you said, John, he's the guy. I think John the Baptist said, well, did he say anything else? Yeah, he did. He said this encrypted parable sort of a thing. Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. You see, Jesus wasn't going
0: to rescue John. John was going to have his head cut off. He's going to lose his head.
1: And his disciples were going to have an opportunity to get offended. Now I'm going to tell you, sometimes Jesus doesn't do what you want Him to do. Sometimes God doesn't do the very thing that you want Him to do. Oh, He's a desire. He gives you the desires of your heart as you delight yourself in Him. Yes. But He knows the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He knows exactly how to bless you, how to help you, how to strengthen you, and how to fulfill your destiny in life. And it's not always what you think it should be. It's not always the picture that you think it should have. We think that God's just going to come through and sweep through and change everything in my family. Listen to me. God might not change everything in your family because He has to deal with the likes of people that have a free will. Although we will pray, and Proverbs 21.1 says that God holds the, heart, the king's heart in his hand and he turns it like a water course. So you can pray for your family, you can pray for your kids, and God can turn their hearts absolutely. How do you know who's going to get turned and who's not? You don't know. And so Jesus, who's really defending John, I believe, asks these three questions, and these are in your notes. The thinks he's backsliding. Jesus vindicates him, John, by pointing out through verse 7 and 8, he says, did you go down to see a reed blowing in the wind? Is that why you went? I mean, you've got to understand the, the gravity of John the Baptist's ministry. Huge. Huge. When you look in the book of Acts, and the Apostle Paul comes and he says to believers, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You've got to understand where he is. Thousands of miles from where John the Baptist was. Baptized at the Jordan. And they believed in John's baptism. We're talking the known world was... I mean, he had the first really worldwide ministry. And so, John the Baptist, they're thinking he backslid. And Jesus, vindicating him, says, Why did you go see John? Did you go out to see a, a, a reed blowing in the wind? And the truth is, it was a rhetorical question, he moved on to the next one, but the truth is, no. They didn't go out to see some guy that was moved by every wind of doctrine. They didn't go out to see some pansy who was afraid of Herod. And I want to say that God is raising up a generation, a transitional generation, that will not be afraid of what people think. He's Listen, when the love of God comes in your heart so big, and God touches you in such a way, you won't give a fig, F-I-G, what anybody thinks about you. When the love of God gets so big and He becomes more important than what your friends think, He becomes more important than 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 a pair of jeans or shoes or sneakers or looking cool. When, when the love of God hits you in such a way that He becomes bigger and better than anything else, then you will not be a reed. And God is raising up a generation of people who are not moved by the opinions of man. God is raising up a generation that will not be afraid. It's not that you don't feel fear. It's the revelation of the love of God is bigger than your fear so you move forward. Did you catch that? You've got to get a revelation of the love of God. You've got to get a revelation of who He is. John the Baptist knew who the Messiah was. He came. He was born for the purpose of being a forerunner and declaring that there's one coming who's mightier than I, whose shoes latch it. I'm not worthy to untie. I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with fire. John the Baptist wasn't backslidden. He wasn't a reed. And God is raising up a generation of fearless ones. They won't be reeds. Moved by by, by what's in, or what's fashion, or by music, or by their friends, or by peer pressure. You know why? Because the love of God has become so big for them. The love of God has become bigger than having a pat on the back or having somebody like you. Truth of the matter is, there's only two or three people that like you anyway, statistically, so... (laughs) John the Baptist had courage. Illustration, young, shy mother in the supermarket pushing her firstborn child. She could hardly talk to the cashier. She was so shy. And there she was. She had to go get some formula, had to go get some diapers, and all the mother said, hallelujah. And some freak runs across the parking lot as she's going into the supermarket and grabs her her stroller, yanks it out of her hand, and starts running away with her child. You tell me, mothers, you tell me what that shy mother's going to do. She will gouge homie's eyes out. The shy mother no longer becomes a shy mother. She is now a she-bear, baby. You're going down. She will outrun you. She will snatch you by your hair and throw you to the curb. And that would be the end of it. Why? Because something bigger has got a hold of her heart. And whether she's going to look foolish running in a skirt or a dress or in heels or on ice. She might fall a thousand times. That dude's going to get caught and he's going to get beat. Why? Because the revelation is bigger than her fear. That's what's going to happen to you guys. That's what's going to happen to you what God wants to do. What did you go out to see? A man clothed in fine garments. Those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Soft clothing is not in the dungeon. You know, all John had to do, I think, was just sort of compromise and back off. And he wouldn't have lost his head. The enemy wants you to settle for soft clothing. And there's nothing wrong with soft clothing. I'm wearing my new shirt that Minister Alex gave me right now. I like my new shirt. It's sort of fitted and little hip. I'm trying to shake off some of that 45-year-old stuff. Jesus help me. There's nothing wrong with fine clothing. Did they go out to see somebody? The guy was dressed in camel's hair. The dude ate locusts. He was a freak. By all standards, John the Baptist Pretty freaky guy. I mean, you can imagine coming up and he's just wearing this loincloth and he'd be like, ah! and he'd be all, to eat some locusts and, you know, just. "Ha Yeah, he wasn't real cool looking. They didn't go out to see him because he was famous. They didn't go out to see him because he was a celebrity. They didn't go out to see him because he sang some cute song. They didn't go to see him for any other reason. Let's continue. What did you go out to see? Verse 8, are you all there? A man clothes in soft garments. Those who wear soft clothing is in the king's houses. The third question is, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, he says, but then he says, more than a prophet. Prophets are exciting. I love the prophetic word. I love hearing prophecy. I love scriptural prophecy. I like personal prophecy. I like corporate prophecy. I just dig it. I dig it when God speaks. I love when the Lord can use somebody to read somebody's mail, or especially mine, you know, and just go, whoa, God was in the room when we were talking that night. It builds your faith. It releases releases the power of God. The truth is that What Jesus is talking about is really the office of the prophet. When the office of the prophet speaks, it can be not so cool sometimes. It can bring a dividing line. John the Baptist lived in complete abandonment and dedication to the Lord. God is raising up a people that will be like that. God is raising up a people that will be dedicated unto God no matter what comes. And I want to tell you this: you can believe in that, you can believe in the rapture, and I believe in the rapture too. Just not sure when it comes. You say, "Well, I'm pre-trib. Prove it." Oh, well, you can prove it, but you can prove post-trib too, and you can and you can prove mid-trib. So let me just tell you: if it is post, and you have to go through a whole mess, hope you don't get discouraged. Hope you don't get offended. You have to build your life in such a way that no matter what comes, that you're ready now for Him to take you. But also you can be ready for the future. They are prophesying that the end is in 2012. And frankly, I don't think so. But the truth is, I'm going to live full throttle all the way for God with everything i got. I'm going to live in abandonment. And I've been trying to do that and God knows i got a long way to go. I just get sick when my flesh, I stumble and mess up regularly. Jesus, help me. But I'm thankful for for the grace that God
0: has on us. We're fasting. We're praying.
1: There's some people that
0: never even heard about fasting.
1: John the Baptist lived a fasted lifestyle. Jesus declared him to be the Father's messenger. Wow. Can Can you imagine... Two times in the history of the world. Would you close those doors for me, brother? Two times in the history of the world, God will come in flesh. One time, that's called the first advent. What's it called? The first time Jesus came, He died on a cross. He's the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. 700 years. Everybody say 700. 700. 700 years before Jesus ever came to the planet, it was prophesied that there would come one who would be pierced for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquity. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon Him. 700 years. Oh, we don't have the original documents, some morons say. Pardon me. Fools, I'll say, say that. Fools say that. We have the book of Daniel, pulled up from the Dead Sea Scrolls. We have sections of of scripture. My gosh, we, we take wars that are less documented historically and count them as absolute truth, but people will discredit the Word of God when it's way, way more accurate than other ancient things that we just take as truth. Jesus, two times God will come in the flesh. One is the Messiah when he came and he died on a cross, he always raises up a generation. Like John the Baptist who will proclaim Him coming. The second time He comes, He does the exact same thing. God is raising up a generation, a transitional generation, under the day of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you that that is where we are at. And that is the generation that you're a part of. And not everybody is going to jump in and become like a John the Baptist, but by the very fact that Jesus pointed out and taught all these things, I'm not even going to get through it all tonight. He taught all of these things. The very fact that He taught them. When Jesus comes, He'll be like in the day of Noah. We are like the day of Noah now. There is so much going on. I ask you, where are you in your dedication to God? Where are you in your walk with Jesus? Is it just ho-hum? Are you a bored believer? Can I tell you that if you're bored, then you are weak. A bored believer is a weak believer, and if you're not excited about the things, ah, ah, if you're not excited about the things of God, how's your passion level? How's your level of passion? I don't mean for your girlfriend or your boyfriend. I'm talking about for God. What you think about most? That's your God. Oh, how's your passion level? Jesus is teaching about the greatest born among women. I think we ought to pay attention to who Jesus says this is the greatest guy that was ever born. Greater than Moses, he says. This is the greatest born among women. Of course, he doesn't count because he's sinless, immaculate conception. He was born of a woman who doesn't have any of her blood. He's he's the son of God. He doesn't count. Of course, he's greater than Jesus. Of course, Jesus is greater than the Messiah. Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. Everybody say amen. John five thirty five says this about John the Baptist. He was a burning, shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. You know when you're really on fire? People think it's cute, then they don't like you. You know why? You're convicting. They get around you, they're just uncomfortable about the sin they did of that weekend, and there you are Monday all in the office. You're a reminder of somebody with radiant. You ever see somebody who's on fire? They're radiant. They're not depressed. They go, we go through stuff. But you see somebody who's on fire, walking with God, they are a burning, shining lamp. They're just bing, like three phase, 220. They're, they're just radiant. Those who look to Him, says the, the book of Isaiah, are radiant. And I'm going to tell you that the world won't like you. But you've got a greater revelation than the applauds of man, remember? The love of God. What a what a epitaph to have on your on your gravestone. He was a burning, shining lamp for God. If I'm not alive when when we go to the rapture, God takes us out of here, or we live and eventually die, and I wouldn't mind having that on mine. That's, may that be true of all of us. You're willing for a time to rejoice in His light. I will tell you the test. Listen to me. The test for every single anointed leader. The anointing is not so people like you. The anointing is not so you can get a pat on the back and it sure in heaven is not so that you can have a ministry where you travel around and sell CDs and sell books. The anointing is not for any of those things. And, and much in the body of Christ have taken the anointing, have taken the, the oil, and used it as, as, as bread. Used it for making money. And, and praise God, the Word of God says at least Christ is preached, and amen. But the anointing is not so that people like you, and I will tell you now that when God anoints you, and He puts His Spirit upon you, and you begin to walk in power, you begin to walk in favor, you will have people that do not like you! But it's not so that people can like you. It's so that you can get people free. And we war not against flesh and blood. Right? The enemy doesn't like anointed people. Turn to Luke 1, verse 15, quickly. The angel Gabriel spoke of John the Baptist. In Luke 1, the angel bringing message to Zechariah, who did not believe... And as a result was judged, the angel comes and says, the prayer that you used to pray, that's the original translation in, in our English, the prayer that you used to pray has been answered. What prayer did he used to pray? God, give us a baby. They were both from Levitical families, Elizabeth and Zechariah. They served God, they were devout, they were righteous, and yet they didn't have the answer to their prayers, and they were considered barren, and barrenness in Scripture is considered cursed. So here he is, a priest, who has got no heir, he has no baby. I guarantee you, in the priest's coffee shop, they were talking about him, they were laughing over at Hebrews' coffee place. Oh, that Zachariah boy! He's got to be messed up. That boy, Ooh, you know, is you know, his, one of them cursed. they just cursed. When in fact they weren't cursed. God had timing, and so here he is burning incense before the Lord. Something that he could happen maybe never in your lifetime as a priest, but it would happen only once, and it happened to him one time. And as he's burning incense, Gabriel comes and says, "The prayer you used to pray has been answered." Look at verse fifteen of Luke one, talking of John the Baptist, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to be great in God's sight. More and more, I give a, nothing about care about what other people think of me. Oh, I, I still have it come up. You know, we all have our ego. And... But you want to do something great for God, you must get become great in His sight. And it goes on to say that he 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 shall. Drink neither wine nor strong drink. It's it's a Nazarite vow that he would have. A Nazarite vow. Some would do it for months, some do it for years. John did it for his whole life. There are people who are gathering all over the world. Why are you telling me this and why did you bring the youth in to hear this? Because here's what you need to know. All you youth, listen to me. You live in Alaska, a blessed place. But your view of the world, and I don't mean to mock you, but you need to understand that you're looking through a straw. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Go like this. Go like this. Go ahead. Go like this. Come on, go like this. Okay, when you live your life in the culture that you're in, in Alaska, I'm not mocking it. Many wonderful things here, and there's some very defiled things here. You live your life here in Alaska, you might as well be looking through that. Go ahead, take a look.
0: That's like your view. Now, what about all of this that
1: you can't see?
0: What about the rest of the earth?
1: What's happening in Senegal? What's happening in Jerusalem? What's happening in Israel? What's happening in, in, in France and in Sweden and Norway and Denmark? What is happening all over the world? I tell you, this is what's happening. Youth, listen to me now. You're being seduced into a generation that doesn't give a flip about God and I'm thankful that there are those that do. But you need to understand all around you is a cesspool. But what God is doing around the earth is He's raising up a generation of John the Baptist. He's raising up a generation of hungry, thirsty, on fire, so in love with God that they don't care what anybody thinks about them. They don't care what kind of jeans they're wearing. They don't care what anybody thinks. They're growing their hair out. They're not drinking, and they're, they're not doing drugs, they're not caring about girlfriends, they're not caring about boyfriends, and they are dedicated, on fire, going for God like their last breath depended on it. That is happening all over the world. Now let me just tell you this, Sherlock. When that happens, it is a release of what the scriptures call the spirit of Elijah. There are forerunners that are being raised up all over the earth. And because you don't feel it, doesn't mean it's not happening. Understand you're looking through a straw. And I prophesy a great revival unto this generation. And you can be left out, or you can go in. And I hope my preaching tonight, I just have a couple more points. I hope my preaching tonight is making you real uncomfortable and real hungry. How's your passion level? How's your dedication level? Well, I don't want to get into all that fasting. That's legalism. Don't give me the the church in America is so terrified of being legalistic. I I just don't know any legalists that just fast for 21 days. They're just just really not into you know not really into that. And, And there are some, I'm sure. And if it's you and you're a legalist, repent. It's by grace. It's by grace. It's grace, grace, unmerited favor. It's, it's God's power, God's grace to seek Him. God is releasing His power on a generation all over the world. So help me God, I don't want Him to miss us. It's going to require a burden. I'm, I, am, I am asking tonight, in this moment, I'm asking for midwives to rise up. I'm asking, for, I'm asking for fathers and mothers in God to rise up and begin to pray because if we don't see this generation, this younger generation, of course, we're all a part of it. Some of you fathers and mothers, some of you grandmothers, great-grandmothers maybe. Others of you just kids. Young adults. If we don't see the fire of revival spread across this land. We will not have a country. Jesus is the answer. Not, not an economic bailout. Jesus is the answer to the broken heart that you have.
0: Quit playing, church!
1: There's more. There's more. Come on, somebody say there's more. Many are asking, well, how much, how much darkness? I've had this question asked me. Pastor? So how far can I actually go with a girl and then not be in sin? Is, is this sin? Where you know, can you just tell me where the line is? Dude, you already backslid. People want to know how much darkness can I actually live in and still be blessed? Forget it, I'm going over here. <laughs> can I do this and still have the favor? Well, I pray in tongues, so. The Holy Spirit is more than a doctrine. It's more than one of the fundamental truths. The Holy Spirit is more than just praying in tongues. The initial sign and the evidence of of being filled. Tongues, wonderful. I don't want to mock the gift, but tongues is for more. Tongues is the door that you enter into to have intimacy with God. John the Baptist paid the price. Live a fasted lifestyle. Verse 16 and 17. Of Luke 1. He will turn the hearts of many, the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the Spirit. That means the same purpose that Elijah had the Spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. He's quoting Malachi and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. The question is not how much can you do and still get away with it and be blessed. The question is, how much of the power of God can you walk in to love God with all your heart? That's the question. And if your heart is far from Him, He didn't move. Three things you see of John the Baptist to turn the hearts. God God wants you to be used to turn the hearts. You might live in a home... And maybe you're online tonight, you might live in a home where all of your family is just going to hell in a handbasket and you're the only person saved. Do you know that God will put the Spirit of God on you in such a way if you'll dedicate yourself to Him, set yourself apart for Him, hunger and thirst for Him, pray, fast, believe, He will put the fire of the Spirit of God, even the anointing of Elijah upon you to turn the hearts of every single one of your family. That is what this is about. We just want God to do, oh God, let's become the sovereignty of God. Produces just trusting in the sovereignty of God can produce laziness. Yes, He's sovereign, yes. But you have a free will. You say, well, if the Spirit wants to just come, He can come. Yeah, the Spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. In other words, you have your role. The Spirit and the bride say, come. The Spirit and the bride say come. So which is it? Is it God decides to take His long Galilean leg and throw it over that white steed and ride on out of heaven with King of kings and Lord of lords down His thigh? He just decides that's it and He's going to come and get us? No! No, that is not it according to Scripture. It does say that, but it also says that we can hasten the day of the Lord. Hasten. We can hurry it up. We can get Him to come faster. Why? You begin to throw so much love at God and dedication, and you press in and you lay hold of the things of God so much so that He just looks down at the bride and He finally goes, I can't take it anymore. I just gotta have them. Woo! He rides out of heaven and He comes and He gets the Spirit and the bride say, Come. The The video. I give you permission to become a Jesus freak. When a generation gets on fire, they turn a whole city upside down. They'll make lukewarm people just freak out. They want them out of the church. I give you permission to just go ahead and be a freak for Jesus. Turn the hearts, the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just. God's looking for hundredfold obedience. Not how much can you live in darkness and still be blessed. God wants to put an anointing on you, yes, to reach the lost, yes, to flow in His power. But I've decided that I think one of the main things as well is He puts a grace on us so that we can press in and know Him. Amos chapter 2, verse 11. Turn there quickly. I mean, you might as well go for it. You know, the way that God wired me up, Amos 2, the way that God wired me up, I was just into the most radical thing there could be. And the truth is, I'd I, I I'd be doing all that if it was better than this. That's just sort of how, the. I mean, you know, maybe it sounds blasphemous, but the truth is, I just wanted the biggest thing that could happen. I found him, as famous Jesus. I'll never go back. Don't you ever go back. And in this first of the year, you check your passion level. You check your dedication level. And you ask God, God, I want to be used in this last end time generation. I don't want to just be somebody who goes to church, who opens the Bible and goes back home, curses and lusts, watch pornography, fornicates in the back of cars. I, I, come on, you don't want to be like that. How encouraging. Amos chapter 2, verse 11. God says, I also raised up prophets from among your children and Nazarites from your youths. Is this not true, people of Israel? And so he asks them, is it true? Is that true? Is it yes or no? You can say yes, it's true. Go ahead, ready? Yes. Yeah, he did that. He does that. And then it says, verse 12, but you made the Nazarites drink wine. And you commanded the prophets to not prophesy. God's saying, I raised up these dedicated, set apart, on fire. But then you talked them into drinking wine. You talked, them into, you talked them into a life that's not as dedicated. You said, you know what, why don't you just back off a little bit? That's just the honeymoon. Just chill out. You don't have to be so intense. You're going to burn out. Burn out. You're going to burn out. I tell you something? I had somebody, when I first got saved, a grandma, bless her heart. She meant well, but the truth is she was just steeped in, in the lie, and she just heard it, and she just passed it on to me, and that's how that works. Now, I don't think she was trying to hurt me, but she put her hand on my thigh and said, Son, you're in the honeymoon stage. It's going to calm down, and then you're going to learn to walk by faith. I thought, oh, God, no. I
0: <laughs> Do you know something? It's never calmed down for me. His love never gets old.
1: There's seasons where I don't feel as close as maybe I used to. And in those seasons, I fast and I pray and I press in. Don't you talk your youth out of fasting. I mean, if they got a medical thing, you understand them, of course. And it's not an excuse for irresponsibility. Oh, snap. That's probably from the Lord right there, that one. Oh, I'm seeking God, so I'm not going to do my schoolwork. Shut up. Oh, I'm seeking the Lord, so I'm not going to go to school because I'm fasting and praying. No, you're going to go to school. You're going to submit to authority. You're going to love God with all your heart. You're going to honor your father and mother and all the all the parents. Say. Amen. Amen. You're going to love God. You're going to lift up your leaders. You're going to pray for Minister Alex and Shelby. You're going to witness. You're going to share your faith. You're going to get on fire for God. You don't check out a life and become a hermit.
0: On somebody, to say, Wow.
1: Don't talk somebody out of being on fire. I've had people that told me I was going to burn out and they're not serving God anymore and I still am. I mean, I, I don't know how that is. It's the grace of God, but you know what I'm saying? You know where burnout comes from? It comes from doing it in the wrong spirit. And the sure is, sure is heaven is true. And I have gone through phases where I feel like, oh, I don't, I feel like I'm a little overextended. And that, those times were when I wasn't taking care of number one, loving God with all my heart. I get, you get into doing ministry, you get into helping people so much, you lose contact with the one who actually flows through you. I don't mean backslide. I'm just saying that you're not in the vine like you used to be. You're, he's not whispering to you. Do so you know what happened to me tonight? I was in my living room and, and I started dancing with the Lord. Now I danced before the Lord. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about dancing with Him. I used to do that all the time when I would come home. Years ago when I gave my heart to Jesus, the church has left her first love. But this generation, and I mean all of us, including the youth, all of us, we have got to return to our first love. If Jesus comes back tonight, the truth is many of you wouldn't pass the ceiling. Okay, turn to the person on your right and left and say, well, this is an encouraging message. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Talk to somebody. Thank you, Jesus. So glad I came to church tonight. Let me just make one more point, and I I, this is probably a two-part message. I don't know when I'll do the next one, maybe Sunday morning. Mm. Matthew 11, look here with me. Verse 11, turn back, just a couple points, we'll close. Would you come pray something militant when you get up here? Matthew 11, verse 11, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven. And he's talking about John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. Okay? And so what Jesus is saying, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And what he's really saying is if John the Baptist was able to live like he lived, defying Herod, preaching The baptism of repentance, eating locusts and wild honey before the Lord, settled and content with being a voice, just a voice, crying out in the wilderness, not some big ministry, not some big name, not some big numbers, just a voice, just obeying what God told him to do. He was content with that. Now, if John the Baptist could do that without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and mind you, he did not have the baptism. Because the baptism... Came at Pentecost. So if John the Baptist is able to do that, then those of us who are alive in this age, the age of the era of the Holy Spirit, are able to do how much more? The opportunity for us to do even more than John the Baptist is there. Jesus said, Greater works will you do than these. Greater works. You say, Well, that's salvation. Salvation's the greatest miracle, no doubt, but it's works, plural. It's more than that. There's a call tonight. To get dedicated with God. There's a call tonight to push yourself away from the table of apathy. It's a call tonight to bring your heart before the burning bush of the presence of God that you might find Him like you have never found it before. There is a baptism that comes from the throne of God that is like nothing any of us have ever experienced before. Revivalists in times past and history record people who get desperate and hungry and thirsty get on fire for God and they change regions. They change territories. They change their family. Come on. Come on. There's a fresh fire for you. There's a fresh fire for you. Stand up on your feet, brother. Yeah, go ahead, both of you. Fire! Fire! Fire!
0: There's a fresh baptism. Will you take it? Will you receive it? Will you do? Listen.
1: Back to Matthew. Verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, everybody say now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Jesus revealed in this text, and I'm closing with this, that there is more power available for you Power bigger than drugs. Power bigger than the pleasure that comes from sex and immorality. Power that bigger that comes from money, fame, fortune. There is a power, there is a love that, that'll absolutely usurp all of that. Just wipe it out. But it only comes through those who are violent. And I'm not talking about spiritual, I'm not talking about physical violence. Y'all know about that. Shoot lots of people on videos. talking about spiritual violence, the kingdom of heaven, wait for it now, please concentrate, I'm almost done the kingdom of heaven suffers we don't use the word suffer let me break it down, the kingdom of heaven permits the kingdom of heaven rewards, the kingdom of heaven allows and he's talking about John the Baptist, what kind of spiritual violence did John the Baptist have fasting, praying Radical for God. Content with being a voice in the wilderness. He wasn't doubting whether Jesus was the Messiah. He was doing his job as a good pastor to step back and let the next generation take it. Of course, he's the Messiah. He steps back, and I'm going to tell you why churches die. Churches die because some seasoned man doesn't know how to let go. I thank God that's not the case. It's not the case here. Minister Alex, take over anytime you want. I'm, I'm half joking, but I'm not. If we hold down this next generation, we won't even have church. I thank God that Dr. Morocco, at 60 something years old, is just reproducing himself all over the place. And it's just, you know, he said this to me. He said, Daniel, I hope your ministry far exceeds anything I've ever done for God. I thought, what? There's no, there's no competition, there's no strife, there's no... Just just be who God told you to be. Just, just go for it. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Jesus revealed in this scripture that there's greater power available for you and I. But it does not come if you don't go get it. Spiritual violence violent because it confronts our sinful nature and we kill it spiritual violence because you deny yourself and you pick up your cross and you follow him there are people here tonight maybe listening over the podcast or or listening by web stream you're here tonight and you wonder why you don't have the fire you wonder why there's no freedom no zeal you wonder why you're stuck it's because you need a dose of spiritual violence You need to settle in your heart that God will touch you in direct proportion to the hunger that you have. I double dog dare every one of you to go home, get on your knees, and stay there until Jesus comes. And when he comes, oh my goodness, everything changes. I've had a series of encounters in my life, and so has my wife, and I'm sure you have too. I am not satisfied. And I will tell you, until you have that kind of encounter with God, every one of you, look at me if you're texting, I'm smashing your phone, look at me. Every one of you. God's calling you up to a higher place. Much of the world is, is coming under revival through generation, just your age. And my, may I tell you, John the Baptist was 16, 17, 18, probably got his head cut off at 20-something. I'm an old fart compared to what he is. Did I say that? I'm an older dude. Forgive me. It's funny how that is, though, that mixture. Oh, God, i got to close, but it's just almost nine, and that's a few minutes fast, so we're good. We bought a Bible recently for one of our kids and we looked at this thing and the truth is some of you are carrying it. Some of the youth are carrying you are carrying the Bible. You're carrying the one I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to tell you what it is. If you're not reading it you wouldn't know. And let me just say this to the parents. If you gave your kid a Bible that you didn't check out then you better snatch that thing back and go take a look. Tonight. Why? Because you can actually get kids defiled now through her. It's, it's just how it is. You know, I just called myself an old... There's a mixture. It's got to be pushed out of the church. It's got to be pushed out of our life. There is a thing called holiness and righteousness and truth. And there is a thing that's a mixture. And what the enemy is doing is he's raising up what is called harlot Babylon. It's a mixture of religion trying to bring everybody together so that they just accept everybody. And it's all... And we're just going to have tolerance. And it's just going to be all great. Oh, can't you just love all the Muslims and the Buddhists and the Hindus? And, and that is harlot Babylon. It'll come together, make a mixture of religion. You need to read the book of Revelation. And I've found that mixture gotten into me. It's gotten into me. I mean, I just heard it come out of my mouth. And I think that grieves the Lord. I repent. Oh, you're being a little uptight. Maybe not. The Bible taught teaches things in the Bible about sexual acts that my kids don't even know about. Well, you don't, don't want them to be oblivious to the things of the world. My Bible says be excellent at what is good and innocent of evil. And there's a time when they'll know those things. I'm not going to shelter them. they are going to be people that impact and make a difference. Come on, everybody wants our kids to be that. It's time to get violent we're in the generation the transitional generation unto the day of the Lord and I believe that God is raising up a bunch of John the Baptist heaven rewards spiritual violence put your dope away push yourself away from the TV push yourself away from video push yourself away from everything that has a screen during these fasts of 21 days Why don't you press in and see if God will really show Himself who He is in the Scripture. And I will tell you, He will come. Direct proportion to the hunger that you have. You want to be healed? Press in. It's not that you earn it. There's just forces of darkness that will keep you from it. Oh, I've got to close. The source of spiritual violence is the love of God. Not fear. You need to hear me. Your source of spiritual violence is the love of God. Not fear. Fear of the Lord, but it's different. It's not fear like fear of man. It's going to come and beat you. God's for you. So the call tonight is this. Stand up on your feet, please. No, no, I changed my mind. Sit down. Please. Go ahead, have a seat. We're done, just about. You say, before God, tonight, that you're gonna set yourself apart. I'm not talking 90 days and I'm not talking six months. I'm saying for the next few years, you're gonna give it everything you got. You're gonna sit, maybe even be like a Nazarite. Huh? Imagine that, not drinking any alcohol. Wouldn't that be a shocker? Push yourself away and say, I'm gonna give myself to seeking the Lord. I'm gonna really dedicate myself. If that's you and if you stand alone, Well, you're not standing alone because I'm answering my own call right now. I'm standing up. If you want to do that, you're going to dedicate yourself wholeheartedly seeking God. Not messing around. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about pressing into God with a spiritual violence that would release unto you the grace of God to love Him more. To love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. Imagine... What could happen? History books are waiting to be written about a people who will touch the hem of His garment. If that's you, you're serious about it. Stand up on your feet, and make a declaration before God. Now tell Him. Them. Tell Him.
0: Them. Gonna live for You, Lord. Break off
1: apathy. Break off lethargy. Break off. The world, the mixture of the perverse and the holy. Break it off in our lives. Now, parents, if you've given your, your kids a, a Bible, I'm just telling you, I, I, I don't want to get myself in trouble. and I don't really care, I guess. Now, you know what? I'm, I'm going to leave it empty for the sake that you can go and look at your kid's Bible and go read it with them, all right? I'll tell you since you're staff but all the rest you're going to have to figure it out you ought to know what your kid's reading I, I opened one page and it talks about you know flirting and over this other page it talks about the, the perfect date and, and what boys are thinking about girls and I'm just thinking good night where is Jesus in this whole thing in the midst of the Bible in the midst of scripture you say you're getting a little uptight it's going to get looser and looser I'm going to hold the line you going to hold the line with me? I'm going to hold the line. Amen. Come on, ask God, just to ask God for the grace, for the power to seek him during these 21 days. Lord, anoint us. Raise up a generation in the power of the Spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts to the fathers to fathers to the children To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. An anointing to turn hearts. An anointing of hundredfold obedience. and Letting go of disobedience and serving you. The wisdom of the just. I will tell you it is a highly intelligent wisdom of God thing to serve Him with all your heart. To live a life fasting and praying. It's the greatest life you could ever live. And what you're in is a 70 or 75, maybe 80 year internship. And when it's over, then the real deal is. I want to live for you. I want to be holy. I want to fast, want to pray, want to give. I want to live for you, Jesus. You'll never regret an abandoned life to God. You will never, ever regret it. You'll have people that won't like you, sure. But then you'll have relationships with people that will love you like you've never been loved before. And you'll walk with Jesus in satisfaction, in satisfaction that nothing else can give you. Nothing else can give you. He alone satisfies. So we commit ourselves to live for you. To walk in holiness and truth, To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Fathers come upon us, God, with a spirit of Elijah. Let it raise up modern day John the Baptist with a violence, a spiritual violence, it won't turn loose until you come. We pray and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus, won't you? That's probably the new year word right there. God is good. Take someone by the hand. Heavenly Father, we thank You for what You've done through Your Word. And we believe that it will have eternal consequences. And I thank You for those who have committed their lives, even these next years. Look, in a few years, just check and see how you're doing. Of course, you check all along the way. But you're committing yourself over these next few years. Give yourself fully to God. Read the Word every day. Go to church. Be faithful. Be faithful to God, to each other. Turn from sin. Live for God. Watch and see what He'll do. It's the reason He made you. It's the reason you're breathing. Bless your people. And strengthen us and help us as we fast and we pray and as we live a fasted lifestyle. May we be a people radical like John the Baptist to see the world turn to you, to see hundredfold obedience to you. To see revival, reformation break out until the day that you part the clouds and come and get us. And if that day comes, listen. Listen to me. If that day comes and you don't find yourself at the sound of the trumpet and the twinkling of an eye, in the presence of the Lord and you find yourself in the earth listen do not join the military because you'll fight against God we give you praise Now, before I say in Jesus' name, I have an unusual request under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When you walk out the sanctuary, say not one word in here. Not one. I want you to think about it from the moment you walk out of the sanctuary. Get in the lobby. Have some fellowship. Let's keep the doors closed. If you want to see God at the front, go ahead. No talking. All the kids, look at Pastor. All the kids, say, hi, Pastor. All the kids, say, hi, Pastor. Okay, no talking. All the youth, you understand? Okay? You want to talk? I want you to talk. I want you to have fellowship. I don't understand the fullness of it. but I want you to walk out of here not one word. Okay? You think about what is said tonight. You go for God. You'll never regret it. May the Lord bless you. In Jesus' name.